will be our text this morning. Good morning, good morning. It is wonderful to be together um, in the Lord's house. Just to clarify, I've had a couple questions already. It is referred to as a tie. It's an article of clothing that's generally worn by men uh, around the neck as a sign of respect. You could wear it as a belt. I didn't think it would match my shoes personally. Um, But either way, just to get that out of the way, Dan Borges, I know that there was a concern. I am so glad that you are here. Um, I love this text. I love this word. And I'm grateful for the opportunity once again to stand before you and to open it up and, Lord willing, together may we extract truth by the work of the Holy Spirit and may it be applied to our lives and our hearts so much so that we leave this building, we leave this room in a few moments different, actually changed in the way that we walked into this room. The richness of redemption. We deal with a subject that must affect, it must affect virtually every single area of our lives. If we are believers, if we are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ and the subject of redemption does not literally surface every single day, we don't live in accordance to this truth and we miss the boat entirely. It is that important. We look at what I refer to as the richness of redemption. Let's bow our heads and pray as we launch into his word this morning. Father, not unto us, not unto us, but to your name be the glory. Father, that is our prayer. We ask, Lord, that you would reveal yourself and that you would work amongst us, that you would, you would ignite within us a renewed fire and passion, Lord, that we leave understanding what you what you have done and who you are and who we are in your presence. And we recognize that we are so far from you and we rejoice in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, for people that hear this, this word this morning that do not know you, that today would be the day of salvation, that they accept the gift that has been offered by grace through faith in Christ. Pray for this body. I thank you, Lord, for each person. I thank you for the way that they love and that they extend grace and that they desire to serve and to roll up their sleeves and to strive together in holiness. I love the way, Lord, that people are desiring to to be disciples and to make disciples, to hold one another accountable. Father, we ask that as we seek to be your body, that we would do that in a way that brings glory and honor to the name of Jesus Christ. Guide us now as we learn, quicken our hearts. In your name we pray, amen. I call it the richness of redemption. We hear that word richness constantly, constantly today. This is another type of richness, a lot of richness that people literally wake up every single day with this hunger and this talk and this longing for more money, for more stuff, for more possessions. Um, It literally controls the lives of most people in our world today, particularly in our country today. We live in the 
the, the wealthiest society that has ever existed on the face of this planet. And people in America are still concerned with getting more. I got a Time magazine delivered to my house yesterday, and the first article I read was the fact that 75% of America's Americans that have garages, 75% of Americans that have garages can't park their cars in them because they're too filled with junk. And, and yet there's the subject of richness. We're going we're to completely leave that idea of richness, of material and tangible. and mind, We're going to push that aside. We're going to talk about something that is of far more value this morning. It's basically one idea I want to communicate very clearly to you from our text. I want to do that as clearly as possible. Our text is five verses long. And the major portion, the big idea, you hear me use the term the big light bulb, pours out of two verses that are found in verses 18 and 19. Listen very carefully for it as I read it in its entirety, in its context. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17 through 21 is our text. Here it is. <clears throat> and if and if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious bloods of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spots. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Did, did, did you hear it? Did you hear the big idea? Did, did you see it? It says you were ransomed and the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. We could summarize that. Here it is. You were ransomed with the precious blood of Christ. It is the act. It is the act of being ransomed, or the word is redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. We went to look at this morning, but it is also the amazing position that you and I have been given the value, the worth, the extent, the purpose, and the blessing that comes from this redemption. That's what I call the richness of redemption. Now, let's back it up a little bit. This book is written, Peter has written this letter to, to reset his listeners' attention. They are Christians. Jewish Christians who have been dispersed, they're facing various trials. Peter is directing their attention to encourage them, reminding them about everything that God has done for them. God has elected them, he has sanctified them, he has caused them to be born again. He has given them an inheritance that is kept for them 
in heaven. He has challenged them to live like God. We saw that last week. Be holy. He's resetting, refocusing their attention, not on the things of this world, not on the things around you, but the things that are in heaven, not on the temporal, but on the eternal. We go on, and there is an idea here that I, I, I want to say I like it. It's too small. I love the idea that is found within this text. Three words I wanted to give you. The first one is this. Redemption is essential. It is essential because it offers a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Number one, redemption is essential because it offers a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Look at it with me. It begins, and if you call on Him as Father, which means what? It begins with this word, if. It's conditional. If is what some call on Him as Father, which means that others do not call on Him as Father. I want you to think about this. If you regularly, if you daily, if you constantly call on Him, talk to Him, pray to Him, your day begins, dear Heavenly Father. Whereas Jesus taught his disciples, our Father, which art in heaven. If that's you, then this letter is addressed. This letter is speaking to you. This pertains to those people whose Heavenly Father is God, those people who have accepted the gift of salvation that has been offered by grace through faith in the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Basically, it's another way of saying you don't call on the Father unless you are in a blood-bought relationship. You don't call on the Father unless you know His Son, Lord Jesus Christ. I love the way that Jesus describes it in John chapter 10. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and my sheep know me. We know how Jesus says in John chapter 14, no one comes unto the Father except through me. Do, Do you realize this morning what that actually means to be in relationship excuse me, with our Heavenly Father. Do you understand what is at stake with this? What what accessibility and what privilege? I was in a meeting one time years ago um, with a man in my office, and it was a, I don't recall the details of it, it was a serious, it was a heavy, and it was a weighty conversation. And my office door, without any knock, opened up, And my son, who was young at the time, probably five or six years old, Seth was standing there. It was obvious that he had been crying, and he was holding in his hands, he had in each hand, his his toy truck and a broken wheel that had broke off it. He said, Dad, I need your help. I'm in the middle of a meeting, and he stands there. Dad, I need your help. Now, I'm immediately faced with a decision. Can I be honest? It's a pretty easy decision to make. 
I said, sir, excuse me one moment. And I went to my son and I dug around somewhere and I found some crazy glue, did the best job that I could and stuck the wheel back on and sent him out to play. Do do you realize that you have access literally to an all-knowing, all-powerful, sovereign God who created the entire world with his spoken words. You have access to him constantly and completely, and he doesn't need crazy glue to fix your brokenness. Do you realize that? That's what we're talking about. If you call on him as what? Abba, Father. The word is Daddy. It describes it that he is perfectly fair. He is perfectly just. It says that he judges impartially. It means that he doesn't have favorites. The way that in our world, I spent last week or a couple weeks ago with my mom and dad and my both my sisters were there. And inevitably, you try to work that conversation in. Come on, mama, tell me, am I still your favorite? Really? Come on, remember? It doesn't happen. Never heard it. Like any loving parent, there's not a favorite child. God doesn't love you more than he loves the one sitting next to you. He judges impartially. So much so that we are to live what? In a sense of fear. That we conduct ourselves with fear. It's not a being afraid of. It's not living in terror. It's living with a sense of respect towards our Heavenly Father. It's living with a sense of reverential awe because of who He is. God loves you and God proves his love for you by redeeming you. Specifically, it says this, that you were ransomed. The word can be rescued. The word can be redeemed from the futile ways. You lived without purpose. You lived what? Pursuing stuff to jam into an already full garage. God rescued you from that. Not with perishable things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without spots and blemish. It is that term. It's that word, lutreo. It's a wonderful, wonderful word, ransomed or redemption. It stands at the very point, at the very pinnacle of our faith. It is what? It is at the epicenter of our doctrine and our belief. You were ransomed. You were rescued. You were redeemed. And the problem is, is that the general person still does not have an understanding or a grasp of what it means to be ransomed. We hear the word and we go to some cheap television show that we think of someone who is being held captive and being held ransom. They're blindfolded. They're sitting in a chair. If you don't pay the price, it's an idea. But it's not full. This book was written, they believe that First Peter was written in Rome about AD 64 to 65. In the Roman culture, the Roman Empire, as it was continuing to move forward, it would conquer nation after nation, country after country. And they would acquire for themselves 
slaves. They would take over a country. They would take everyone captive. They would bring them back into the Roman Empire. And and slaves, people, were acquired to work the fields and the farms, to work the metal shops and the leather shops supporting the, the Roman Empire. The machinery, the monster of the society. What's interesting is that oftentimes people were given a tiny wage. Even a slave was given a small wage. And it would take years and years, but they could actually save up and they could purchase with their hard-earned money their own freedom. Their freedom was purchased. It was, it was what? They had been rescued and they had been redeemed, but something had to be paid. And there's this imagery of slavery that is used all the way throughout Scripture that is an, an image or a picture of individuals like you and I who are slaves or we are bonds in bondage to sinfulness. If a person is caught and, and stuck... Perhaps some of you sitting here today, they're chained in bad habits. I I can't quite get free from this. Destructive behavior or addictive behavior. Living in or living for wickedness as opposed to holiness. Jesus describes it in John chapter 8 as you being a slave to sin. Paul describes it in Romans chapter 6 as being a slave to sin. But Jesus, what, rescued us, ransomed us, redeemed us through his work on the cross. Jesus Christ bought your freedom so that you no longer have to live as a slave. And he bought you with a currency that is completely different than anything else, than anything else. Which brings us to our second idea. Not only is redemption essential, but redemption is eternal. And it's eternal because it is based in and is backed up by the blood of Jesus Christ. This idea of the word eternal, forever, something that, that exists without perishing forever and ever is, is, is foreign to us. We cannot completely understand, we cannot un- comprehend something that lasts forever. Why? Our homes, they need constant care or they will fall apart. Our cars constantly need to be what? Maintenance, or they will rust and they will fall apart. The possessions that you have, the, you've earned, the clothes that you wear, wear out. Even what your bodies. Why is it that I ache now more than I used to? Why is it that this knee hurts more? It didn't used to be like that. Why is it that I move slower? Because even our own bodies, everything in this world, the law of thermodynamics is forever on display, energy tending to a state of less usefulness. Everything that we see around us will continually crumble and pass away. But your redemption, my redemption, our ransoming is backed, is based in something that cannot and will not ever fade, ever pass away. It's hard for us to understand. Our currency is backed by gold in our country. But you know that the price of gold even moves up and down. Apologies to William Devane and and Roslyn Capital. 
But, but even the price of gold cannot always be counted on. Back in the 30s, we know that our, our, what, the stock market dropped. The bottom dropped out. And the dollar, which was based in gold, lost its value. And what a reminder. Even those things that are precious to us, we hold on to that. Even that's not secure. You ever, you ever have something before that you thought was of such great value? And, and then maybe you had it appraised or you took it to someone and it's like, no. I, I remember, remember years ago, this is way back, they used to have the emergency dime. Remember the emergency dime to call home with and that didn't last too long. And then it was the emergency quarter, okay? This is the, this, young people don't understand these things. I remember when I went away to college, it was my brother and I together. And so, so my mom gave to us, my mom gave to us, and they said, in case there's ever an emergency, because we were all the way down in Washington, D.C., and they gave us, a, I remember it was, a, it was a money order from a bank in Canada. I remember that emergency arrived rather quickly. I remember going to the bank, and they looked at this, and they're like, we've never heard of this. I'm sorry, you're not going to... And we're like, no, but my mom said, this is from a really good bank back in Canada. Really, it's really, honestly. And they're like, sorry, son. And I remember visiting and going in to one bank and coming out with nothing. Going into one bank and coming out with nothing. For the most part, I kept that folded in my wallet. It was worthless. Think about you and I. Think about the idea that that all of humanity stands at the counter of heaven's bank. And you've got a worthless money order in your hands. All of humanity stands in front of a holy and righteous God. And you have nothing to offer Him. All of humanity stands in need of being redeemed and rescued. But our currency is corrupted. And so Jesus stands up and Jesus steps up before his heavenly Father and offers something that you and I cannot offer. You were ransomed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Let me make this clear. This is hard for people to understand in our society. This church, this word, This topic, this subject will always be about the blood of Jesus Christ. It must always remain about the blood. And this is hard for people to understand in our society. I was watching watching the interview. It made me sick to watch. A political satirist, he was just a seething atheist, was interviewing a Christian woman. And, and in a mocking tones before a live audience, he said, you, yeah, you Christians think you're better than everyone else, don't you? And, and to this young Christian woman, she said, no, we're no different than anyone else. She said, we're simply forgiven from our sins through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ who died on the cross and rescued us. And she said it with such clarity and such accuracy. She reiterates, she said, I'm no better than you. I'm just forgiven for my sins. And the man, just in fury, said, don't talk about that blood. You're frightening us. You're scaring us. You think we're evil. You're evil. You're talking about the bloods. 
And the whole audience began to cheer in support of him and, and drowned it out the rest. That's the world's view, mocking and laughing at. But it must remain. We have to talk about the precious, precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ as a lamb without spot and blemish. Without it, I am in trouble. And we will never stop talking about it. We will never stop drinking the cup and proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes, ever. What this text does is drives us back to the book of Exodus, to this beautiful picture. It seems like odd instructions. Remember the Hebrew people, the nation Israel, was in slavery, was in bondage to the Egyptians. And Pharaoh refused to let them go. And he was warned and he was warned and he was warned. And then there was going to be one, one night. And God gave very clear instruction to those Hebrew followers of God. He said, go and you get the very best lamb. You get the best one. You get the perfect lamb. Bring it into your home and you kill that lamb and you take the blood and you put it above the door and on the sides of the door. And when the angel of the Lord comes over that night and he sees that blood, I love the word in Exodus chapter 12 and verse 13, when I see the blood, I will pass over. When I see the blood, I will pass over. And that's exactly what happens. Hundreds, thousands of little ones, the firstborn of every single home, perished with the exception of those who were covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. That Old Testament text is a perfect parallel to what Peter is describing right here about the work of Jesus Christ at Calvary. Blood is a perfect, imperishable means to pay for our redemption. Continues on in verse 20, it says that he was foreknown before the foundation of the world. Not only is redemption for all time, but get this, it was since all time. We have to remember, this is not some last minute plan that God came up with. Oh no, Adam ate from the tree. Eve ate from the tree. What am I going to do now? And he's scrambling. This is not like that. Scrambling around in an attempt to to redeem and, and to save mankind from certain demise. No. It was what? It was manifest. It was made known to us. Right down to it says what? Manifest in the last time. That is the time before the first coming and the second coming for your sake. So there's something that is close here. There's something that is personal here. The price of your freedom, the purchase of your redemption, the precious and perfect blood of Jesus Christ was shed for you. Not only do we see that redemption is essential, not only do we see that it's eternal, but thirdly and finally, redemption is extravagant. It gives purpose and results in faith and hope. Think of it like this, because we look at the practical application. So what about this? Why are we always talking about the blood? Why are we talking about back to the cross? What does this mean for me today? We live every day in light of the extravagance of this act and this work. Peter wants to make very, very clear that he has you personally in mind. When it comes to God's work of redemption, 
It is beyond anything that we can fully grasp. Think about this. When it comes to God's work of ransoming you, it literally is beyond anything that we can grasp. Remind of Paul's words that he writes to the church at Corinth. He says, To him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we could ask or think. It's that God that we're talking about. It's his work. In our language, we say, what? Well, there's something that's pretty cool. If something's good, we say, that's cool. And then if something's really cool, we say, that is too cool. Wow, that's beyond cool. It's too cool. And then there's really cool. And then there's what? There's way cool. And then there's beyond cool. All of those, none of those touch a thousand miles above way cool is extravagant, is what God has done for you. Ransomed you from futility. Most people in our world are living in complete futility. Literally, they're blind. They're moving around this world, grasping things, trying to gorge themselves, satisfy themselves, numb themselves, and just get through one more day. God rescues you from futility and he gives to you purpose every day. Every day you wake up with purpose and passion. He's giving you a direction for your life. He's giving you desire for your life. Why did God do this? So that your faith and your hope are in God. Not not in something else, not in someone else. You know what it no do you know what it means to live every day with your faith? In God, what does it mean to? It means to trust. You wake up every day trusting and resting. You don't have to worry about what tomorrow. You don't have to worry about the next month. You're trusting and resting. This is your heavenly Father. You have access to Him. He saw you, loved you, rescued you, redeemed you. Rest. Trust in Him. Live different from the rest of this world. You live every day in fear. We have faith and we have hope. It is so evident, it is so evident when you bump into someone in today's worlds and they have hope. It is displayed. You see it on their face. There's a countenance. They are at peace. The whole world is at war. There is confusion and chaos everywhere. And then you bump into a brother or sister and they have hope, not in today, but in that day which is to come. And they live with peace. And it is a radiant joy that is so evident. I love it. I love, I'll be in the airport. I'll, I'll be in a mall. You bump into a complete stranger. You talk to him. You're, like, you're my brother in the Lord's. Because I know that we have the same heavenly father. We have been rescued. We have been redeemed. So much of so much of what occupies our time and our focus, so much of what we're concerned about on a daily basis doesn't really matter in the long run. Our homes and our hobbies and our toys and our tools and clothes and, and our cars, it all will be lost. None of it will last. 
going to wear out. It's going to break down. But then there is your redemption. Then there is that which was paid for your redemption. And we step back and we see the richness of it. The debt of your sin has been paid. You have been set free through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And now we live every day in faith and in hope in God. We have the privilege today of celebrating that exact thing through communion. What a privilege. We will remember this. We will celebrate this until the Lord comes again. We're actually instructed. God's word is very clear of what we as as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, those of you who begin your day, dear Heavenly Father, you have been rescued and redeemed. It says, remember what Jesus Christ has done for you. And so we here at Big Woods pause at least once a month. We do it the third week, the third Sunday. This is the third Sunday of the month. And so God has arranged and allowed while we address the subject of his blood that was poured out, we actually have a picture of that, a reminder of the blood and the body. And we know what happened when Jesus pulled his disciples close to him and he was in the upper room and he gave to them this object lesson that we have before you today as a reminder. Jesus Christ says it was on the very night that he was betrayed literally moments, perhaps hours, before he was betrayed and arrested, before he was tried and mocked and beat and ultimately crucified. He was with his disciples and he was in the upper room and they'd finished dining and and sitting around together, fellowshipping together. It was the moment that God had arranged. And he took bread and he showed it to them and, and he broke it and he said, this bread is a picture, it's a symbol. It's actually not... Literally, it's not my body. This is bread. It's a picture of my body that will be broken for you. That's exactly what happens. That's exactly what happens. And after it says that he broke the bread, it says that he took the, the cup and he poured the cup out. And as he poured it, he said, this cup is a picture of my bloods. I'll give my life for you. We, we can't pay. There's nothing that we have that can pay for our sins. But Jesus Christ, in complete holiness, in complete perfection, completely God and completely man, died on the cross and his blood was poured out. And it's through the blood that washes and cleanses and renews and rescues and ransoms and redeems us. And praise God for that. We're going to serve this to you. I'm going to ask my brothers, the elders, to come and... And they're going to serve this to you. And let me just remind you that if, if you are visiting today at Big Woods and you're not a member of Big Woods Bible Church, but you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and you, you call on God as your heavenly Father, then please accept this and participate and celebrate. And please understand, I'm not trying to be rude, but if you have not acknowledged the Lord Jesus Christ, then I would, I would ask that you refrain from taking this. It would be meaningless for you. However, I do believe that in a very moment you can offer your life and you can accept the gift of salvation as offered by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you are welcome to that.
They'll bring you the cup. Excuse me, they'll bring you the bread first. We'll ask God's blessing on both the bread and the cup, and then we'll partake of both of those together. Thank you. I'm going to ask Kenny Hall to ask God's blessing on the bread and also on the cup. It says that the Lord Jesus Christ, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and after he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
Thank you. It says, in the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Amen. As Matt comes to lead us and the team, may I encourage you this week to live with your hope and your faith in God because of what God has done for us through the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you stand with us then as we close? Okay.